Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda a voice in the desert now here's crystal heath hello las vegas all peoples everywhere thanks for tuning in today uh a little heads up slash warning i may not be as anim i don't know we'll see but my uh my ability to speak is somewhat hampered today i had a run in uh my chin met my dog's skull last night in an unfortunate uh greeting after i got home from church and you know how like on a cartoons when you get a big lump on your head and it just like grows it was kind of like that except on my chin so it was like having this weird beard thing um that is mostly gone now but my whole jaw is still in pain and i've had a headache for about the last 14 hours so no 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 wait how long would it be seven three like ten ten hours anyway so all that to say the jaw movement is kind of limited today so my ability to speak is also somewhat lower than usual i actually haven't spoken since this happened so i don't know how this is going to go or we'll see but it's a beautiful morning in las vegas if you're listening live and you're in las vegas this is my favorite kind of time in las vegas because it is raining and when i my alarm went off this morning and i rolled over and i looked outside i was like oh i just don't want to be an adult today i just want to lay here and enjoy the rain I don't know how it is if you grow up in Las Vegas, but when you grow up in Pennsylvania and it rains and you're homeschooled, your mom lets you sleep in and snuggle under the covers and just enjoy the rain. And even as an adult, I can't really, I can't sleep in. My body clock just doesn't let me do it. I'm lucky if I get 40 minutes longer than my usual wake up time on days when I don't have to get up, unless it's raining. If it's raining and cloudy, I can just sleep, 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 sleep. <sighs> just brings back so many good memories <laughs> from my childhood and sleeping in in the rain. But all right, we should actually get started and talk about substantive things here since this is the Frittle Show and that is what we do. You're listening to 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas coming to you live from Liberty Baptist Church. All right. So let's talk about the fact that ESPN looks like they have gone, you know, off the deep end. You probably heard about this. There's an Asian American whose name happens to be Robert Lee. He's an analyst for the network and he calls uh, college games. Now, Yesterday, we learned that he has been removed from hosting or broadcasting at a game in, guess where, Charlottesville. 
And I know that my political affiliation means that I should be absolutely outraged at this story, as much of those on the right are. And I'm not going to lie, when I saw the headline at first, I honestly, I thought it was a joke. ESPN removes Robert Lee from broadcasting game in Charlottesville. I thought it was The Onion. The Onion is a satirical website, by the way. But no. Nope, it was not The Onion. It was true. ESPN pulled an announcer because his name was Robert Lee from a game because his name sounds just like that Civil War general whose statues were pulling down. Oh, what was his name again? That's right, Robert E. Lee. Now, if you just if you read the headlines and you look at the hype and you see what everyone's saying on social media, it's very easy to just jump right in and swim with the current and say, um, yes, ESPN has absolutely gone off the politically correct snowflakery deep end. I mean, seriously, you're going to remove a guy based on his name now? It's not like he picked it. And guess what? It wasn't Asian Americans that were uh, that were leading the Confederacy in 1860. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, right? Even for ESPN, who has a long history of being overly political in a supposedly entirely sports-related world. So that's what I thought yesterday morning when I saw it. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Our society is ridiculous. ESPN is ridiculous. Then later in the day, someone tweeted a email response that ESPN spokesperson had sent to a reporter. And I read it and I thought it was interesting. So I'd like to share that with you. This is from uh, Carrie Potts, spokesperson from ESPN, sent this to a reporter. She said this, This wasn't about offending anyone. It was about the reasonable possibility that because of his name, he would be subjected to memes and jokes and who knows what else. Think about it. Robert Lee comes to town to do a game in Charlottesville. The reaction to our switching a young, anonymous play-by-play guy for a streamed ACC game is off the charts. Reasonable proof that the meme joke possibility was real. So when the protests in Charlottesville were happening, we raised with him the notion of switching games, something we do all the time. We didn't make him, we asked him, and eventually we agreed to switch. No biggie until someone leaked it to embarrass us and him. They got their way. That's what happened. No politically correct efforts, no race issues, just trying to be supportive of a young guy who felt it best to avoid the potential zoo. Now, we later learned that he also thought moving the game would be fine with him because the new game that he gets to call is closer to home so he can actually join his family that night. So again, that's an email uh, that was sent from ESPN Company spokesperson Carrie Potts to a reporter, I believe, for the New York Times was where it originally came from, and then it started making its way around social media. And to me, again, I know I'm supposed to be outraged here, I think, but if this is correct, it looks like ESPN was actually trying to avoid an overdramatic political situation. Now, did they create one in the process of trying to avoid it? Yes. Should they have just left it alone? I don't know. Probably But honestly, even to my right-wing self, this actually seems very plausible and, dare I say, kind of smart. I mean, if my name was Robert Lee, I'd probably prefer not to call a game in the same town where they're toppling Robert E. Lee statues. Oh, big thunder. Uh, Now, 
Sure, it's very possible that no one would have even noticed and no one would have said anything if ESPN hadn't drawn attention to this. There may have been no one watching the game been like, <gasps> ESPN is heartless and out of touch because they sent a commentator named Robert Lee to call a game in Charlottesville. That could be. But in today's world, I mean, you have seen what people say about other people on the internet, right? If I was him, I'd probably rather call a different game if given the option. And then there's the alternative that maybe ESPN is lying about all this. Maybe they did force him to change games because of his name, but we don't know that. And until Mr. Lee actually addresses the situation, we won't know that. But frankly, even if they did force him to change games, guess what? They're his employer. And this is a very hard concept for we as Americans, and particularly American millennials, to grasp. But... It doesn't really matter what we think about this. It's ESPN's business and ESPN's employee. And if they thought, hey, this could present a situation that we don't want to have to deal with, so we're switching the game you're calling, pretty sure that's their right as his employer. Regardless of their motivation, they're his boss. So... We can hate ESPN all we want. We can speculate about why they did this all we want. We can think that they're ridiculous all we want, but it's really their call. And I, you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over this, particularly if it's raining outside still, because I, it's ESPN can do whatever they want. We don't have to watch it. We don't have to agree with it. You can send Robert Lee a donation if you feel bad for the guy. I mean, th but they didn't fire him because his name is Robert Lee. They just moved him to a different game. I, if they fired him, this would be a completely different segment, but they didn't. And now he's calling an ACC game. And guess what? He just got super famous. I mean, did you know there was a guy named Robert Lee who announced for ESPN before yesterday? I'm guessing unless you're one of his relatives, you probably didn't. But you do now. So let us summarize, shall we? ESPN announcer Robert Lee did not lead any armies of the Confederacy. So yes, it's kind of ridiculous to remove him from announcing games just because of his name. But, if he wanted to avoid the potential social media zoo and switch games, as ESPN is saying that he did, that's cool. They said, you know what, let's avoid any potential situation. Okay. Now, do we of course realize that ESPN was assuming that all millennials watching a college football game would, one, know who Robert E. Lee actually is, and two, equate Robert Lee with Robert E. Lee, which I think is honestly a pretty far stretch. But again, ESPN is within their rights here. Is it silly? Yes. But especially if this was in fact a conversation and Mr. Lee said, yeah, let's just avoid the potential of a circus, I get that. As someone who's been harassed on social media, I get it. It's not fun to be harassed on social media. It's not fun to have people make memes about you. It's, it's just not fun. Now, is all of this the prop popular right-wing thing to say on this issue? No, it's not. It's more popular to blast ESPN for being outrageous and ridiculous. But I call it as I see it, and that's how I see it, which sometimes is a little bit different than other people on, quote-unquote, my side. But like Ronald Reagan said, I'm not really worried about my side. I'm worried about being on God's side. Now, 
that said, I just realized I say now a lot. But if we could just find someone in history named, oh, I don't know, maybe Tom E. Brady that we don't like, then could we remove the current Tom Brady from, like, all public activities of any kind, including, I don't know, maybe um, football games? Is is this a thing that we do now? Because if this is the way it's going to be, I'm pretty sure I can find someone in history named Tom E. Brady that did bad things. And we could equate that to, I don't know if there's like a Tom Brady somewhere, but I, you know, I'm just saying it could be a public service. Like if this is what we do now, we can just go find people in the past who have names of people that we currently don't like, and then we can just use that correlation somehow to remove that individual from any place we don't want them to be, like, say, on a football field when, you know, the Broncos or anyone really else is playing football. I just, you know, these are things that I think about. What can I say except you're listening the Fertile Show on 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. So former First Lady and past presidential candidate Hillary Clinton has released a new book about the campaign in which she just wants the world to know that she felt that Donald Trump was a creep, particularly during the, I believe it was the second debate, you know, that one where you could see him like standing uh, in camera shot like behind her. And how she wanted to turn around and say, back off, you creep. And she didn't. And how she kind of regrets that to this day. I want to laugh, but it kind of hurts my jaw right now. So, (laughs) let me just... I I don't even know how how to talk about this and we're not going to because it's just ridiculous in my opinion but do you know like who it is that you're married to and you've never said anything about maybe him being a creep or him doing things that should never have been done in the Oval Office not to mention you know The fact that he's married to you. Like, that... uh, Okay. Should not talk about uh, women feeling creeped out by someone who... um, was standing on a debate stage with you. Now, granted, please do not take this as me defending Trump's actions or words on women in the past because they have been both vile and revolting. And that's just a fact. Regardless of what you think of him as president, his history with women is also not stellar. Okay, I get that. But for Hillary Clinton to say something like this is is extremely hypocritical when she's married to someone who's, you know, a rapist. But let us let us move on. Let us move on. Actually, back. We're not really moving forward. Moving back. We're going to keep talking about football here for just a minute. And you're like, well, were we talking about football before? Yes. If you missed it, you missed my conversation about Robert Lee being kicked off the ESPN broadcast. But you can catch that on the podcast later, which will be up on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search The Frittle Show in the little search bar and you'll find it. So let's talk about uh, Colin Kaepernick, one of my least favorite football players to talk about. 
I'd rather we be talking about Tim Tebow, except now he's a baseball player. So, last night on Twitter, I'm with Cap was trending on Twitter. Which, by the way, if you actually look at Twitter analytics, it was pretty funny because Twitter was making I'm with Cap trend. There were only 7,000 <laughs> tweets about I'm with Cap when it, like, catapulted to the top of the trending list. So that is just slightly suspicious, but whatever. Uh, so Colin Kaepernick, I'm with Cap, was trending. People are protesting. People are letting the NFL commissioner know how they feel about the fact that the NFL is not letting Colin Kaepernick play football. Here's the thing. The NFL, Roger Goodell, does not dictate whether or not Cap gets to play football. The NFL teams themselves determine whether or not Cap can play football. Look, he worked out for the Seahawks. And Pete Carroll was like, yeah, um, the thing is, he's a starter and um, we can't pay him starter money. And you can read between the lines. He won't take less than that. So we already have a starter. Therefore, he won't be a Seahawk. And that, honestly, is the story. Let me tell you the true story of why Colin Kaepernick is not playing football. It's not because of Roger Goodell. And I don't really think it's because of lack of talent, because Kaepernick is actually a decent quarterback. Is it because of the media circus? I mean, why was it okay for everyone and their uncle to talk about the media circus that followed Tim Tebow and why nobody wanted that? But it's not okay to talk about the media circus that follows Colin Kaepernick and maybe nobody wanting that. Yeah, Colin Kaepernick took a team to the Super Bowl. I get that. But his ability was on, like, he wasn't doing as well when he ended his football career. And we could talk, okay. And I'm not going to make that. Okay. We're just going to move on. I'm going to tell you the actual facts here instead of hypothesizing over whether or not it's okay for Tebow and not okay for Kaepernick. Anyhow, Colin Kaepernick is the quarterback who isn't playing quarterback because he wanted more money. Greed. That's it. It's simple. This all boils down to one thing, and that is greed. It's all about the money. The money is why Colin Kaepernick is not playing football right now. It has nothing whatsoever to do with the fact that he knelt during the national anthem. Here's how I'm saying this, and I can, I'm going to prove it to you right now. Are you ready? Because somehow in this whole Kaepernick issue, this has been lost. And I, I, it's ridiculous. It's driving me crazy. I've had it with this whole thing. And then when it started trending last night, I was like, that's it. That's it. That's it. I'm just, I'm sick of reading about this person and that person who are protesting the NFL. And I'm not going to watch my favorite football team this year because the NFL, they kicked Kaepernick out. And they won't let him play anymore because he's just trying to stand up for what he believes in or kneel down or whatever it is that he's doing. And I just can't handle it because, you know, it hurts me personally. No. Enough. That is blatantly false. Nobody kicked Kaepernick out of the NFL. And the only thing keeping Kaepernick out of the NFL right now is the fact that he is greedy. And I'm not talking about the current situation with the Dolphins or whether or not Kaepernick declined an offer there or not. I'm not talking about right now. 
I'm not talking about whether he's had an offer in the last like three weeks or whatever. And I know that's a theory, but I'm not going, I'm not even using that to say that this is why he's not playing. All right. Are you ready? Let's back up. 2016. This is a 100% factual story that you can go and look up. Are you ready? Let's go back in time. 2016. The Denver Broncos, Super Bowl champions, were very interested in Colin Kaepernick. He had an offer on the table from the Broncos, and he rejected it because he wanted more money. Have you seen the Broncos quarterback situation? Let me help you out here in case you're not a Broncos fan and you didn't follow the whole thing. John Elway, former Broncos quarterback, Super Bowl champion, brilliant, that guy, yeah. He's been amazing as the Broncos general manager, but he made what appears to have been the biggest mistake of his general manager career by passing over Kirk Cousins for Brock Osweiler back in the day. Osweiler is now with the Browns and maybe on his way out there. So when Ozzie decides to jump ship from the Broncos because he was mad that Peyton Manning came in and saved the day during the game that determined Broncos' home field advantage, which eventually led to them getting to and winning the Super Bowl. So Peyton Manning comes in, saves the day, and uh, Osweiler's all like, that's not fair, guys. So he's, uh, he's like, I'm leaving. I'm going to the Texans where he just tanked. But anyway, so he leaves. Osweiler's gone. Now we have no heir to Peyton Manning. So John Elway does what any good general manager would do and attempts to obtain another quarterback. And he goes after Colin Kaepernick for $14 million. And this is while Kaepernick is doing the whole kneeling during the anthem thing. While he is kneeling during the anthem, he is offered the reins to the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. And what does Kaepernick do? He says, eh, no thanks, not enough money. And Elway says, okay then. And he moved on, traded for Mark Sanchez instead of, um, instead of Kaepernick. So, uh, <sighs> Then goes on to draft potential NFL Wonderboy Paxton Lynch in the first round of last year's draft, at which point uh, Trevor Simeon, the third string of the Manning era, was catapulted to starting quarterback for the then reigning Super Bowl champions by beating out both Sanchez and Lynch for the starting job. And this is, by the way, take nothing away from Simeon if you are a Broncos fan. His story of perseverance, I think, is amazing. I wish he had a better arm, better legs, and was a better leader because then he'd be, you know, a good quarterback. But regardless, all that to say this, if Colin Kaepernick had signed that contract with the Broncos, he would be starting in the NFL. There is zero doubt in my mind whatsoever if you've seen any of our current quarterbacks play. And he may have even won the Super Bowl last year. Why? Because whether you like the Broncos or not, their defense is lit and all they need is a decent uh, quarterback and they can get to and win the big game. Peyton Manning is proof of that. He wasn't a stellar quarterback in the Broncos' latest Super Bowl appearance, but he was good enough. So for everyone who's mad about Colin Kaepernick not playing in the NFL, you need to stop being mad at NFL teams and start being mad at him for being stupid and not taking $14 million to play football. Oh, and as a little side note, Cap opted out 
of his contract with the 49ers. He traded $14.5 million that the Niners would have owed him for the option to opt out of his contract so he, should he so desire, and that is the option which he chose. Would the Niners have cut him anyway? Maybe. They were open to a trade with the Broncos and others, and if he had kept that money in there instead of opting out, there is a greater chance that he would have been traded. But Cap said no. Cap said no. He could have been playing football right now. Instead, he chose to play the martyr. Okay? Everyone got that? Are we caught up here on our little history lesson? We should not be feeling bad for Colin Kaepernick because the NFL isn't keeping him out. He took himself out of the game. He himself is why he is not playing football right now. All right? And as for the continued kneeling during the anthem, I've talked about this before, so I'm just going to briefly address this issue with one sentence. Are you ready? You don't send a message to wannabe Nazis by kneeling during the anthem of the flag that defeated the actual Nazis. That's it. Now, all of that was actually an introduction to an article that I, that I <laughs> to an article that I wanted to cover. So that was a long introduction to the article. Sorry about that, but I just there are certain things that get under my skin, and then <laughs> over at theblaze.com. We have now learned that the African American History Museum is going to honor Colin Kaepernick, but still refuses to honor Clarence Thomas. As reported by Chris Enlow, NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick will make it into the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture before longtime Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Museum curators made the announcement on Saturday. Damian Thomas, the museum's sports curator, told USA Today in an email that Kaepernick items will be featured in an exhibit on the Black Lives Matter movement, which Kaepernick has become a face of after he began protesting the national anthem last year at NFL games. The Colin Kaepernick collection is in line with the museum's larger collecting efforts to document the varied areas of society that have been impacted by the Black Lives Matter movement, Thomas said. Items the museum plans to display include game-worn cleats and a game-worn jersey, which Kaepernick wore during his tenure as quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. The move is puzzling because Kaepernick is a 29-year-old unsigned quarterback. He left the 49ers earlier this year after he opted out of his contract. Thomas, however, has a storied testimony that details his life of growing up in segregated Savannah, Georgia, to graduating from Yale Law School and eventually becoming a Supreme Court Justice in 1991 at the appointment of George H.W. Bush. At the time, Thomas was only the second black person to be confirmed to the high court. Undoubtedly, Clarence Thomas is one of this nation's black heroes. Sadly, though, it appears his conservative political views have made him a pariah. The museum has been criticized several times for its lack of material on Thomas since it opened last year. There are many compelling personal stories about African Americans who have become successful in various fields, and obviously, Justice Thomas is one of them, a museum spokesman said last year. However, we cannot tell every story in our exhibitions. Colin Kaepernick, though, there's room for his story. There's not room for Clarence Thomas, the second African American ever appointed to the Supreme Court. There's no room for him, but we have room 
for the 29-year-old who isn't playing football because he chose not to play football. And quite frankly, I'm not entirely sure what exactly Colin Kaepernick has done to better race relations in this country or relations between uh, uh, communities and law enforcement personnel. Now, I say that because if you look at someone like Brandon Marshall, who knelt during the anthem last year as well, and I don't approve of anyone kneeling during the anthem, but at least with Brandon Marshall, he actually did work in his community with the community and law enforcement personnel to try and build better relationships. So at least he wasn't just kneeling during an anthem, he was actually doing something besides that. I don't know what Colin Kaepernick has done. I'm also still not entirely sure why he would kneel during the American anthem but wear a t-shirt hailing a communist dictator who murdered somewhere between an estimated, oh, I don't know, 40 and 70,000 people. I'm not sure. So I, I, I just don't know what it is that merits Kaepernick a spot in the African American History Museum. But I can tell you exactly what Clarence Thomas has done. As I mentioned just a moment ago, he grew up in segregated Savannah, Georgia. Actual segregated Savannah, Georgia. Colin Kaepernick, by the way, grew up in California and, you know, it wasn't segregated at the time he was growing up, nor is it now. Clarence Thomas grew up, grew up in the South under segregation, but in 1974 became the Assistant Attorney General of Missouri. In 1981, he was the Assistant Secretary of Civil Rights in the Department of Education. The Assistant Secretary for Civil Rights in the Department of Education. In the United States. But he doesn't marry a place, merit a place in the African American History Museum. But wait, it gets better. From 1982 to 1990, he was the chairman of the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. 1990, was judge of the U.S. Court of Appeals. 1991, nominated to the Supreme Court. 19, also 1991, sworn in as Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. So you have a guy who rises out of segregation to go on to do remarkable things. I mean, the man is on the Supreme Court of the United States. Yet he doesn't merit a spot in the African American History Museum. Colin Kaepernick, though, he does. See, Clarence Thomas's problem is that he is a problem. And I say that as, as uh, sarcastically. Put it in quotes. If you could see me right now, but you can't because this is radio. I'm doing the air quotes with my fingers. Clarence Thomas's problem is that he is a constitutional conservative. He doesn't fit the current politically correct narrative of what an African-American should think. So instead of recognizing an African-American who rose out of real poverty and segregation in the Deep South during a time of actual real racial tension, who worked hard and was appointed against all odds to the Supreme Court of the United States, the African-American History Museum is honoring someone who played sports until he decided he wasn't getting paid enough money to play sports, so... He quit. That's it. That's the story. That is what is happening. And it's messed up. And now you know. Now you're informed. 
Now, you know, the history of Colin Kaepernick and his departure from the NFL and how it was not in any way related to his anthem-kneeling protests, but his own greed and how that greed our country is immortalizing by putting him into the African-American History Museum while keeping someone who legitimately should be there from getting in. And that is Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Now, I don't have a problem necessarily with Kaepernick going into the museum. I get that he's a face for Black Lives Matter. What I don't understand is how on earth Kaepernick merits a spot if Clarence Thomas does not. That's my issue here. There is hope. That's the Ball Brothers with There Is Hope. 1814. Do you know what was happening in 1814? On this day in 1814, First Lady Dolly Madison saved the portrait of George Washington from being looted by British troops during the War of 1812. History.com says that according to the White House Historical Society and Dolly's personal letters, President James Madison left the White House on August 22nd to meet with his generals on the battlefield as British troops threatened to enter the capital. Before leaving... He asked his wife, Dolly, if she had the courage or firmness to wait for his intended return the next day. He asked her for, he asked her to gather important state papers and be prepared to abandon the White House at any moment. The next day, Dolly and a few servants scanned the horizon with spyglasses, waiting for either Madison or the British Army to show up. As British troops gathered in the distance, Dolly decided to abandon the couple's personal belongings and save the full-length portrait of former president and national icon George Washington from desecration by vengeful British soldiers, many of whom would have rejoiced in humiliating England's former colonists. Dolly wrote to her sister on the night of August 23rd that a friend who came to help her escape was exasperated at her insistence on saving the portrait. Since the painting was screwed to the wall, she ordered the frame to be broken and the canvas pulled out and rolled up. Two unidentified gentlemen from New York hustled it away for safe keeping. The task complete, Dolly wrote, And now, dear sister, I must leave this house or the retreating army will make me a prisoner in it by filling up the road I am directed to take. Dolly left the White House and found her husband at their predetermined meeting place in the middle of a thunderstorm. The next night, August 24th, British troops enjoyed feasting on White House food using the president's silverware in China before burning the building. Although they were able to return to Washington only three days later when British troops moved on, the Madisons were not again able to take up residence in the White House and lived out the rest of his term in the city's octagon house. It was not until 1817 that newly elected President James Monroe moved back into the reconstructed building. What's so sad about this story? Because I think it's one of the... uh, I I just, I love this story. But the portrait of Washington that Dolly Madison saved was actually a copy of the original. But what level of patriotism is that where you leave your own belongings... To save the painting of George Washington. You leave the china, the silverware. You leave your own stuff. But you save the painting. Because of what it represents. Not just to you. I mean, really. I'm sure they... Dolly Madison's like, "Eh, George Washington... 
yeah, he's like, I don't know. I don't don't know how Dolly Madison felt about George Washington. But I'm guessing she didn't save the painting because it was her favorite painting. I don't think that was it. No, she saved the painting because of what George Washington represented to our founding and because of what he represented to our people and because of what he represented to America. It wasn't about the painting. It wasn't even about George Washington, really. It was about what it stood for. So here's my question for you today. What is it that you stand for? What is it that you think is worthy of saving? What is it in your life that you're willing to defend if it means you have to give up something else? Or to phrase it most commonly, if your house burned down and you could save only one thing, your children, your pets are safe. Your wallet, keys, the car, that's safe. But what is it that you would save? What is it in your life that is of that value to you? Is it a Bible? Is it a journal? What is it? What would you save? The stuff that I would save is actually in my parents' house. (laughs) It sounds terrible, but it's true. I have one dresser still in my old room at my parents' house. That's not it's an end table. So I have one drawer that has uh, all my journals from when I was growing up. I would I think I would just grab that drawer. But what would you save? This is a it's a fun conversation to have and it's something worth thinking about. And if you're driving to school right now, you can ask your kids while I play the next song and then we'll be back to wrap things up for this Thursday. Don't go away. All right, that was Caleb and Kelsey Grimm with their worship medley of 10,000 Reasons. And what a beautiful name. Have to end on a lighter note today. Have you seen those Raising Cane's billboards that have the Raiders logo and the hashtag impatiently waiting? I've only seen one of them. It's over on Cheyenne and... uh, Oh, where is it? It's by the Red Feather. Decatur. It's on Cheyenne and Decatur. They have one of these Raiders little mini billboard things that says uh, impatiently waiting with the Raiders logo on one side and the Raising Cane's logo on the other side. So I drive past this thing every day on my way to work and I assumed it meant that there was a Raising Cane's that was going to be built on that corner. I Why I thought this, I don't know. I just, that's... I figured impatiently waiting. What are we waiting for? And then it had a date on it, and I thought, oh, that must be the date that they're breaking ground for a Raising Cane's right here, I guess. I don't know. Then yesterday, I received an email from Cane's, because I'm part of their uh, Caniac Club, which you should be too. Just for getting the cards, you get a free um, box combo. So it's pretty worthwhile. And then they send you one on your birthday. Like, it's, it's fantastic. You just need to get a Caniac card. Anyway. So I received an email from Canes yesterday with the exact same layout. The Raiders logo on one side, the Canes logo on the other, and then the uh, uh, the hashtag impatiently waiting. And I was like, alright. This is obviously some kind of marketing campaign. It doesn't mean that there's a Raising Canes going in on that corner. What are they trying to tell me here? 
So I looked it up. Which is exactly what they were trying to make happen. And it worked. So, LVSportsBiz.com has the exclusive. Raiders, the Raiders and Raising Canes have reached a six-figure deal to allow the fast food chicken chain to use the Raiders logo. That is what it is all about. The Raiders are still three years from moving into their Las Vegas stadium, but the NFL team has already cut a one-year business sponsorship agreement in Vegas for a six-figure deal to allow the Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers chain to use the famed Raiders logo on its items. Signs with the Raiders and Raising Cane's logo have sprung up around the Vegas Valley, including a sign on a wall along the 215 Loop Highway in the Southwest Valley. The message reads, coming 8-30-17, hashtag impatiently waiting. Raising Canes also posted the impatiently waiting message on its Facebook page on August 14th. The Raiders' corporate sponsorship... This is... Sponsorship. Sales staff was able to reach an agreement with Raising Canes for six figures to permit the chicken finger chain to place the Raiders' logo on items such as soda cups for one year. The deal is significant because it shows the NFL team is already securing business partnerships with Las Vegas businesses, even with its 65,000-seat stadium still three years from opening. LVSportsBiz.com is unaware of any other Raiders business sponsorship deals in the Las Vegas market. Uh, Currently, uh, and then it goes on, goes on, goes on. And then it talks about building the stadium and how we're paying for it as a city, etc., etc. So that's the deal, though. If you've seen the Raising Canes billboards and the Raiders uh, logo, all that means is that Raising Canes is going to get to use Raiders logos on their stuff for a year. And I hope for their sake that this contract renews. Otherwise, it's kind of strangely weird because... uh, you're putting the logo on the stuff and the team's not even here yet. I don't think you having Raiders logos on your things is going to make more people come, but maybe it will. Now, here's the one thing, though, that we don't know yet, but I am suspicious of. So, I'll just compare it to Denver because that's the sports market that I know best and they actually have all the big sports teams that we don't have yet but that are coming to us because they just can't resist so in denver for example like when the rockies if they get a you know a a grand slam or whatever then you can get free tacos at taco bell or 60 percent off your pizza at papa john's or all these different places will give you things for free if their sports team that they're they have an affiliation with does something cool or amazing so my thought is with Raising Cane's partnering with the Raiders, and I'm this is just a guess, I don't know. But based on the date, I should actually look that up. Raiders schedule 2017. Google is an amazing, wonderful thing. Hmm. I don't know. My theory could be incorrect. But my theory is this. (laughs) Because it's their last preseason game is the 31st, so it doesn't actually correlate to the 30th. But 
my thinking is what Raising Cane's is trying to do is establish an early partnership with the Raiders so that even possibly this football season, when the Raiders win or if they score a certain amount of touchdowns or whatever, you're probably going to get like a free chicken strip or something else at Raising Cane's. They haven't announced that yet. I'm guessing that announcement is supposed to be coming in correlation with the beginning of football season. So that's my theory. I don't know if it's correct. We shall see in a few weeks if it is, in fact, reality or not. It could be true. I hope it is. Because free food is good food. That's just my philosophy when it comes to food that is free. It's good. (laughs) And that's all the time we have left for today. Tune in tomorrow. We're going to give things away because it is Friday. So no politics, just fun stuff and a lot of fantastic music. Join us Sunday morning here at Liberty. We're located 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard on Rainbow and Lake Mead. Our services are at 930 and 1115. We would love to have you and your family join us. And we're going to go out today with the voices of Lee, their acapella group singing No Longer Slaves. See you back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us today.